listening to the Wilder Podcast. Episode 6 with Jessica Bernan of the One Part Podcast and blog One Part Plant. She's amazing. On this episode, well, one, I just have a couple of things to say. Um, I'm obsessed with her and I binge listen to like every single episode she's ever done. Um, after I found her back in May, um, when she interviewed Laura Miller about being vegan, I stumbled across her. You'll hear me speak on it, but during just some sporadic, desperate Google searching amidst a very painful encounter with feminine problems, um, possible endometriosis related pain, uh, this was right before I began the journey to trying to diagnose what kind of lady problems I actually have, um, and I'm still in a limbo, so I don't have answers yet, but we had a conversation at the end of this episode, after the episode, regarding my personal experience with these issues, and she was super helpful and encouraged me on taking specific um, measures, aka possibly looking deeper into getting a laparoscopic procedure to take a look at what's going on inside. But other than that, sorry, that was all about me. She's incredible. She is such an amazing voice in the plant-based community when it comes to like reasons to be eating this way and how it makes your body feel and how it can help and how everyone can benefit from it in one way or another. And that's kind of her whole concept with one part plant. She just encourages just one meal a day, make it a plant-based meal, just try it out. You know, she's very realistic with that. And her, she has a book that's coming out, I believe it's next year, but she's been working on it and I've been following her journey. And we talk a lot about the book in this episode so make sure you go check out everything Jessica Renan after the show and everything that we talk about will be in the show notes um other than that yeah uh I don't want to do a huge introduction even though I would love to start kind of doing more like what's going on in my life kind of things I mean I haven't really been posting that much on the blog lately so eh, I don't know it's not really you it's me it's not you it's me guys I genuinely haven't been able to make consistent blog posts a priority just with my recent um, side hustle that I picked up. And, you know, I'm not hating it. The podcast is always (laughs) kind of my, um, aside from music, and Colin and I constantly talking about music and thinking about new things to do with music and our future. Um, podcast is always kind of, you know, the thing that I want to pursue since we've done blogging, you guys, come on, you've read all my blog posts. This is something new that I know that you're getting a lot of fun out of. And, um, the last post that I actually posted aside from the multiple podcast, excuse me, guys, I burped, um, multiple, uh, podcast related blog posts that I've done regarding each, um, guest, uh, yeah, I just did that one long, deep one that was basically like, yo, what's up? And it was this long thing. And um, that was my last like update. I need to be posting more. I'm, I have a game plan for September when it comes to work balance and my life. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm motivated to move forward with blogging. That was scary. 
motivated to move forward with blogging. Sorry, there was a big boom noise. I don't know if it picked it up. I guess I'll be able to find out. Yeah, but do more fun bloggy stuff. And um, just, it's been such a fun time for Colin and I. We're both just kind of being pulled in different directions, which is really fun. So we haven't really been able to kind of ground ourselves back with Lernessa, the blog part of it. But I'm trying to kind of keep things kind of, you know, at least alive on social media and if you've been watching we have been having just we've hanging out with a lot of friends lately hanging out with a lot of family and um it's been good it's been good um yeah i think that's about all the announcements other than that dive into this episode everybody i decided to get into linkedin because i've never been into linkedin i just I don't know. It's not a social platform I use. I I never really considered it a social platform, but I don't know. I've been thinking more about how I want to connect with brands and work with them more. And those people are on LinkedIn, like yeah, <laughs> doing business. They're, you know, the the people that are in charge of stuff aren't necessarily on the podcast and you know tweeting. They're actually like doing the behind the scenes work. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go on LinkedIn. And of course, I googled like, top five tips for LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, and it said something very interesting that I swear this is going to apply to your question. But it said, only list the jobs on LinkedIn that you want to do now or that you are interested in or you're seeking more opportunities for. So I went in and I did have a LinkedIn account, but I just took off all the old stuff. Like I used to own a stationary company. Like why would a wellness brand care about that? Yeah. And I used to do a lot of consulting, which I kept that on because I still want to do consulting. So the things that I kept on LinkedIn are the things I'm going to tell you. I (laughs) am about to publish a cookbook. It's not personally, HarperCollins publishing it. That's coming out in February, February 21st. It's going to be called One Part Plant. I have a podcast called One Part Podcast. And then since I moved to Charleston, I haven't been doing as much brand consulting because I'm just, I've been doing the cookbook, but it's something that I want to get back into. So that's sort of what I do. Okay. All right. Um, that is a very wrapped up version of what you do. Cause I'm like such, I'm so plugged in. I feel like I've been, cause I wanted to tell you, I found you back in May after like a random Google search about endometriosis led me to a blog. You posted oh, about it. And then no. I saw your podcast tab and I just clicked on it. And the person looking back at me was Laura Miller, who I like, I like love. Cause I'm, Oh my God. Yeah. She's so cool. And I didn't, I knew hardly anything about her I guess I had never heard her speak I had never seen her videos I had just been following her and I loved Froobs <laughs> so yeah, of yeah. Course. so then I was hooked and I just like binge listened to everything that you had done and it was funny because you've been on like all of my other favorite podcasts at, like as a guest and so you're just like this hidden nugget on a random google search which is so weird <laughs> Google works for me, even though I feel like I don't know anything about SEO. That makes me happy. Yeah, there you were. I was seriously like, it was probably like, a like, I'm so weird with Google. I it was like probably like a 20 word search. It was like about like, <laughs> and there you were, super specific. And there you were. But so your cookbook isn't just like a cookbook. I would love to, for you to talk a little bit more about like what makes your cookbook special and kind of like your plant-based approach? Well, the base of the cookbook really 
I mean, not the base, the title and the actual concept is called one part plant. And what that comes from is just the idea of, I just want people to try at least one plant based meal a day. It's obviously in my dreams of life that everyone would eat every meal plant based, but I just know that that's not going to happen. I mean, it's just not, it's not everybody's ideal diet or sometimes they believe in other types of diets. So you know, I just want people to eat one plant-based meal a day. That's all I'm asking them to do. And I think that it is an easy way to approach changing your diet. And, you know, I think that there's things like Meatless Monday, which I think is awesome and it's really created a whole movement, but it's something that is asking you to take out something. And what I want you to do is to add something. And just to be clear, plant-based, because the other day I was at a bar and someone said, Hey, what do you do? Some like you asked me. And, uh, I did not tell them the LinkedIn story, but I said, uh, I'm writing a cookbook. And he said, what, what kind of food is it? And I said, plant-based. He said, I have no idea what that is. And so I think when you live in a bubble mm-hmm. of plant-based world, you think everyone knows that what is, what it is. but if someone doesn't know what that is, basically a plant-based diet is, a diet that is based of whole foods, not the store, but the actual whole food. So it's based on vegetables, seeds, fruits, nuts, grains, legumes, and in the closest that you can get to the whole form. So they're not super processed and don't come in like packages with tons of fillers and stuff. So, so yeah, so it's the base of that is just whole foods. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like I I guess I do kind of tune out to the fact that some people don't know what it means. And like, I am my husband and I are vegan, but we we are plant based vegans. Do you know what I mean? So we are whole yeah. food vegans. We're not like junk food vegans, even though I mean, like he will buy himself an Amy's pizza for show like every now and then, right. you know, but um, yeah, that's definitely a really like eloquent way of describing it. And I definitely, I've heard you speak on your, like you're just your experience with like the extreme vegan community. And I didn't you interview Jordan younger. Yeah, I yeah. did. And you know, I, I actually interviewed her before way before her book came out, Oh, which she, and I'm not saying like I got the scoop, but I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that because I interviewed her when she had, a little bit of hate and a yeah. little bit of people that were sending her death threats after her book. It was so extreme oh because obviously, you know, she was on more TV shows and mm-hmm. her book was out more in the world. But I really give that girl a lot of credit for remaining in, in the public because every time that she's in the public, she just gets shit thrown at her. I know it sucks. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And if people don't know who, Jordan is Jordan younger used to have a website called the blonde vegan and then she changed it to the balanced blonde and she basically came out on her website that she was no longer going to be vegan and the vegan community just went ape shit on her and sent her death threats and just the, she can't do anything online mm-hmm. with people saying things to her she's a very 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 sweet girl and um yeah we just happened her book agent is the same as my book agent and that's how they got connected a long time ago but yeah I've just seen her really 
go through a lot of stuff. Wow, yeah, I've definitely paid a lot of attention to her story because uh, orthorexia is just something that, like, I think everybody can kind of, like, have tendencies to, especially if you're in the wellness community, about, like, Mm -hmm. being, like, way too strict. So her story was super, just so, I loved it. And it was so, it's so tragic to see, like, all of the beef and drama, especially represented by, like, the vegan community, which I know can be really tough because, like, I definitely have received whatever backlash for whatever I, I end up doing that pisses people off. But um, I recently heard an interview with you where you like were you referred to getting hateful comments on the internet as the equivalent to inviting someone up to your house and having them take a shit on your couch. So, like <laughs> yeah. it was the best yeah. thing I've ever oh, I've ever heard. It's so good. So like, have you <laughs> developed any tactics, or do you like have any words of wisdom for those of us who like frequently deal with negative backlash or comments on social media? Well, first thing I sometimes do is cry (laughs) and I think that that's (laughs) okay I think that no I think that that's okay in a sort of you know I hold on my mic is being weird I I ugh, yeah I feel like I don't even want to say this but I'll just say it so I remember a long time ago there's a website I won't say the name because I feel like they still have power but there's a certain website that just got taken down by a wrestler. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. If Mm -hmm. people don't Google it, but one of the biggest websites in our world and it's no longer because they were sued and, um, but they actually dissed me really hard. I used to work for a celebrity, so they were always dissing that celebrity. And then I got pulled into it once and it was seriously, I cried probably for four days because mm-hmm. it was so hurtful because yeah. it's like, wait, you don't even know me. Like, mm-hmm. how can you say these things? So then since then, <clears throat> when I've gotten comments, it's like, okay, well then I cried for two days and then I cried for one day and then I cried for an hour and it's, I mean, whether that's good or bad, I mean, you do create a thicker skin to the point where it just stops bothering you as much. But I think when you first start getting comments, it's absolutely fine to feel really bad about it because it's not very nice. Yeah, it's shitty. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of friends that like, you know, you got to get over it or just deal (laughs) with it. And it's like, it's like, but they didn't say that to you. Like, Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it does hurt. And so I think the more you get them, the less it hurts. I mean, I think just like anything, it's practice to how to deal with them. Yeah. So at this point, I can kind of just sort of be like, okay, well, that kind of hurts. And now let me just think about the fact that that person's probably not a very nice person and just kind of move on. But yeah, I guess my advice to dealing with it is like, let it hurt for a minute. I love and that. Then, and then move on. <laughs> yeah, because I recently, I just asked because, I mean, I've talked to other girls about it, but, like, yeah, I have friends that definitely tell me to just get used to it or let it go or, you know, just, ooh, and I did cry. I totally cried, you know? I was, like, my husband was just, like, why do you keep, like, you know, because for me it was definitely, and I haven't really spoken about it. Yeah, what did someone say? Okay, so basically they said my husband was having an affair because I suck. Um. Wow. Like they, they hated me so much that they like told they love my husband. They think that he's just like this little 
they've <clears throat> called him a quote pussy baby. Like, I mean, it's like it's like infinite. But it basically, and, and is this someone that you know? No, this is like. Oh and my I, god! And I, I haven't been super open about it because I don't want to give it power. And all of my friends that like have dealt with similar things are like, you know, don't recognize it don't draw attention to it but like the thing is for me it was like something that i came across on the internet when i was looking for like what happens when you google my name and they were like don't google your name so basically i did yeah Yeah. and i was like what is this what is this what is this and then i read pages and like and i'm not gonna say this either because i mean it's weird because the people that are on there are still really plugged into what i do so they listen to the podcast they look at my instagram they watch all my snaps that you know so it's just like there are people that like are wanting to know what i'm doing and so they may even hear me talking about this right now but basically yeah i let that shit like really sink in and i was like shocked and they were talking about my body and they were talking about like i've been really open with like struggling with disordered eating and they were like she still has an eating disorder and like just all of this stuff mainly about like my (laughs) career attempts is what they're like referring to it as because i do music and i do wellness and i do just all of this random shit and i know it seems random but for me it's kind of more under like the lifestyle umbrella and i've heard you talk Mm -hmm. about that for you because you're into so many different things like interior design and you graphic design and food and talking about indo and just your podcast and so for you i totally know that you hopefully you know what i'm saying you know yeah i mean also like doesn't everyone want to try to do everything they love like yeah i mean it doesn't just because you play music doesn't mean that you're trying to be the next insert whatever artist you like. Like maybe you just really love playing music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's Is just, that like, not okay with everybody? <laughs> right. It's just it's weird. And I mean, if that site that does that shit is listening, I think it's just like I always think just to take a moment if I am going to think something about someone or. I would never write something negative about someone, but I would just think like, what if that person heard that same thing said about them? Like, Mm -hmm. how would that feel? And it would have to feel terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Like awful. And so, yeah, I, I honestly, I kind of like did have a moment where I was like giving it a moment on social media. I was like, you know, I'm having these people be assholes to me, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of just like, I hated the feeling that I was, it, it almost seemed like I was, you know, trying to get people to, like, feel, like, sorry for me or something. So, not that I was, like, uncomfortable with being vulnerable like that, but it just, like, the kind of, like, you know, comments I got back from that was kind of just, like, kind of seemed like I was trying to make people feel bad for me. So, I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to, like, tune out. And I took a bit of a social media break, and then I came back, and I didn't care about going and looking. I don't want to go see that stuff anymore, so I'm not going to seek it out. Because I was, by the way. <laughs> After I read the first, like, few pages, I went back and I read it again because I was like, oh, yeah, wow. yeah. So I was just, like, seeing if they were there because I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, they don't have anything else to say, but they had, obviously, more pages of shit. But doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> that tip of feeling the feelings, I think, is a good one because if I hadn't, I don't think I would be over it now because I feel like I'm a lot better off now. But, yeah, I guess tougher feel, skin. Feel to heal, as my friend Giselle says. She's a... Chinese medicine doctor and she says you got to feel the heel feel the heel y'all that's a good one I'm gonna write that one down um (laughs) okay so let's just I would I would love to kind of touch on like for just for the listeners out there who like because I talk a lot about disordered eating and uh you know like everybody's different and 
And I've spoken with guests that do eat plant-based for health reasons. And then I've spoke with guests who have had a history of, like, restrictive eating and how, like, they can't really, like, (laughs) be that way. You know what I mean? So I would love to hear, like, your take on plant-based, why it works for you, like, how you got into it. And, yeah, that's it. Um, Well, I mean, I definitely think that it definitely can cause issues – with people, if you hear if you hear my trash can, it says that my uh, thing is almost full, and I'm just trying to delete shit. So it's okay. Um, I'm sure that happens to you too with all the music and stuff you do. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so I mean, I definitely think that um, I don't know. I mean, I eat plant based because I have endometriosis, and endometriosis is a disease that women have that when the lining of your gut of your uterus or that type of tissue can grow outside and onto other parts of your body inside. So for instance, my endometriosis spread to my liver and different parts of my body. So your pain, your periods are the most excruciating thing that you can imagine. And then you also have, you can, it's not true for every woman, but you also can have a lot of other symptoms like painful sex, really bad diarrhea, um, urinary problems, meaning that it sometimes hurts when you go pee or you have frequency to pee. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole other host of symptoms too, not just on your period. So I did not eat a plant-based diet. I was not interested in a plant-based diet. I thought that eating vegan or plant-based was just like not something I would ever do. That was part of me. But then, you know, I was actually headed to get a hysterectomy because I had a couple of different endometriosis surgeries and it just, I just wasn't getting better. And so a friend from LA was staying with me and she actually saw what pain I was in. Because I think that when you're a woman and you say that you're having a bad period, I'm sure people are like, okay, right. Because a lot of women have never experienced a bad period. And so they don't have anything to measure that for. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you stub your toe, everyone kind of understands that feeling of stubbing your toe, but not everyone understands that, that pain of having endometriosis. So she was staying with me and she just she didn't say it at the time, but it just really was upsetting to her how much pain I was in. So she went home and she started doing her own research about, you know, what could help me because she really didn't want me to have to get a hysterectomy. And this was before there was a lot of research out there. This is, I mean, I'll say this, the research was out there. This is before that it was more mainstream, like Lena Dunham and Padma, like these people have given a face to endometriosis and five years ago that really wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. So she dove really deep and she found some articles and she found a website that outlined how a plant-based diet could help endometriosis. And I want to say that the key word is help because there is no cure for endometriosis. And what works for some people might not work for everyone, but for my personal body, it worked. I mean, a plant-based diet just helped me completely eliminate some of the symptoms and then also make some of the symptoms manageable because there was a point where they were not manageable at all. Mm-hmm. So when you ask about, you know, the the food stuff, I mean, I had a history of 
doing Weight Watchers and weird diets and always hating my body and just always having food, seeing food as being good or bad or whatever. And so having this plant-based diet for me personally, and I know, again, it's different for everyone, but to me, it finally gave me a little bit of freedom to say, okay, I'm eating this food and it's going to be good for my body because it's going to help my endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I that's not how I looked at food at all. I looked at it as just, you know, I shouldn't eat that or yeah. can I have that or whatever. So um, I hope that answers it. Does that answer totally. it? Totally. No, absolutely. Okay. I uh, Okay, so when you're talking about like the food, like looking at food as being able to like help your endometriosis, do you feel like maybe any of the food weirdness that you were experiencing kind of was just like kind of melted away whenever you were looking at food from more of like a nourishing standpoint and did your relationship with your body kind of heal it a little bit or did you like struggle with feeling like you were at war with your body because of the endometriosis that you were dealing with or like I don't know yeah I mean I think that I don't know I think that when you're a overweight person and you grow up bigger than everyone else I mean I've never been a small person. Mm-hmm. And I and that's something that I know bullying wise, internet troll wise, like I'm I've already braced and prepared myself for when my book comes out that I am going to get people that call me fat and I am going to get people that say because I mean people have already said, you know, how are you supposed to give me health advice when you're not skinny? Mm-hmm. So I'm I've always been a curvy person. Like I'm never going to not have huge boobs. Like that's mm-hmm. just unless I got a reduction, like that's just and it has nothing to do with eating or not eating. I'm just a curvy person. So, I think that changing my diet didn't necessarily give me a better body image, but what it did was it helped me have a freedom from the food that had that literally made me feel like I was in prison. So, you know, I would walk around every day and think about, okay, well, I ate that, so I can't eat that. And, okay, so I can have that. So it's just mm -hmm. like, I don't... Food police. (laughs) Yeah, I don't feel that way anymore, which is incredible. But I don't don't think that changing to a plant-based diet, you know, I love the girls that say, I loved my body. Like, that's still hard for me. And I think that's so hard for me because no matter how well I eat, I still have inflammation. That's not something that I've been able to kind of figure out. And I'm actually going to see a specialist in New York about it that I'm going to talk to them about it. But yeah, I mean, I still struggle with that. But it's also, you know, it took me a really long time to change my diet. And so I think that next step is still going to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say this. I used to have extreme body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. I don't have that anymore, which is great. Oh, <laughs> like, that's so, I that's can, so big. I can leave the house and like I can look in the mirror and not think that I'm a hideous monster. But yes, that's awesome. yeah, that's that's a huge step, that's you know, huge. But, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to lie and say I look at myself in a bathing suit and are like, fuck, yes. <laughs> <laughs> drooling over your hot curves yeah which a lot of women and I give them so much props like a lot of women say that and I think that's awesome but that's just not me yet I'll, I'll get yeah. there 
I like, I totally agree. I come, I come from the same place of like being like, I mean, I'm not obsessed with my body whatsoever. And I don't feel like it's necessary to actually be like totally full on, like I'm a hottie, look at me, look at my, you know, everything. But I mean, it's not like, it's amazing. Like I, like you said, like I totally give those women props and it's something I will always work on. And if I arrive, you know, I'm going to be wearing my swimsuit, like posting picture, you know, like I will be there, but I like, I'm not there, but I think it's okay. I think if you're always kind of working on like knowing that you're beautiful because I feel like intuitively we all like know that we are like we we know we have this like am I like I'm I'm actually awesome you know like I'm actually great I know that I am but I, I don't but I don't think that everyone knows that really they can't tap yeah I feel like no I, I don't I don't think I mean I know that there's a lot of people in my life that don't think they're great think that they're awesome or great and it's heartbreaking I think that you know, coming from having body dysmorphia, you do not think that you're great. And it's, it's a completely, you might think that you're smart or, you know, yeah, but, or like you're a good friend, but you know, your mind is not allowing you to even get to that place to think that you're, you're awesome. So you're already one step ahead. (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay well cool uh, I definitely like well, I've been working on it for a long time I I don't know if you I don't know if you know anything about my story or, or whatever but like I definitely was like I've lost over like I don't know 150 pounds at one point and then wow. I, yeah and then I gained back some and it was all through like I was definitely like overweight from like I was like from my, I feel like I definitely never know where to stand when it comes to like health at every size because I know that I wasn't healthy and I don't want to say that I was like overweight because I know that I was for my personal body, but I mean, I was definitely like a size like, I don't know, 24 and then mm-hmm. I went down to like a size double zero within two years and then, wow. yeah, and like it was a definite very weird time for me and it was, I was, I was 18. So, you know, I was doing it for all the weird reasons and I was drinking and I was smoking and then from there, I definitely had to get, you know, kind of treatment for that. And then I struggled with bodies. I feel like I still struggle with some, like, body image issues for sure. But I'm more realistic about the way that I actually look. But, yeah, there was definitely at that point where I was just like, I didn't see what was there, you know? I was seeing something completely different. So the body dysmorphia definitely hit me for a few years. But, um, yeah, for anybody. Well, but I also, I just talked to that same woman that I referenced, Giselle, who said the, to feel, to heal. She was talking to me about traumatic events in our lives mm-hmm. and how they are actually imprinted in us. And that's why, I mean, this is an extreme situation. I'm not suggesting that being in war is a similar to losing weight, but as, yeah. an, as an example, Someone that has been in war at 4th of July, they hear fireworks going off and they, because that traumatic event is imprinted in them, they, you know, they go back to that time or someone that was abused in childhood. If they come close to a feeling of being unsafe, the way that they felt as a child, they kind of like freak out and they go back to that place. And I think that when you are overweight and it sounds like I wasn't as overweight as you, but pretty mm-hmm. close to it. Um, it's, it is traumatic, whether 
it's traumatic to you, whether it's like as an extreme as being in war or not, it's traumatic to your body. Your body feels the trauma Mm -hmm. no matter what. And so that trauma is always going to be in you. And I mean, you might not ever get over it, but it's about how you, I'm taking Giselle's words. She said, it's how you empower yourself with that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which that- is like scary to think like you might not ever get over it, but at the same time, it's like, okay, so how can I look at it differently? Yeah. How can I take this and move forward with it? And it's so funny. Like while you were talking just now, I got like a ding, 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 like light bulb <laughs> because it tied it back because you were saying like whenever that is like, that was a traumatic thing for you. And then it was like, you were saying like the physical stuff. And then I was thinking like, the trauma was the bullying and that's why I think I have like the severe reaction to the cyberbullying about my body. You know what I mean? What we were just talking about earlier. It's like, ah, it's just of like course a, you do. I feel like maybe more than other people back to that place. And I mean, listen, I'm not saying if you grew up super thin and beautiful and didn't have any problems, if bullying would bother you as much, but I think it would bother you a lot less because you would think, well, that's not true. Yeah. But you're coming from a place where at one point maybe it was true or at one point, you know, it, it's bringing or it's something that you still fear that maybe you look a certain way. So they're tapping into your biggest insecurities and that's why it hurts. Yeah. Wow, this is getting good, guys. Like, <laughs> I'm over here going, coaching session right now for me, everyone. Oh, my gosh. No, this is good stuff. I feel like I don't really talk. I mean, I try to – okay, and you may know about maybe with, like, your struggle with endometriosis or your body or anything. And I try to kind of, like – I don't try to ditch my story, but sometimes I have to kind of – you know, the whole concept of, like, not, like, living in your story all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I try to, like – I think I, this past, like, month I have maybe have just been, like – over my story and just like I started a new side hustle so I have a new like part-time job and I'm like this person who doesn't have a social media following when I'm there you know what I mean I'm just a person I'm just like a normal person and Mm -hmm. I don't have to tell them my whole life story they don't already know it so I'm just like chilling and so I've been like this present kind of version of myself and so like for me to dive into that just now was very like I don't know very very reactive inside you know sometimes you got to do it man yeah (laughs) hey that's so true okay so um I kind of want to touch back on, like, the endo thing that we were talking about a second yeah, ago. Sure. Um, only because, like, I do have, like, definite personal inquiries, like, when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I also know that I love that interview you did with Shannon. Is it Shannon Cohn? Con? Oh, yeah. She's, okay. like, the smartest Is it Cohn or Con? I, I say Cone. I believe it's Okay, Cone. it's Cone. Shannon Cone okay. of Into What, the documentary. I actually have not seen that documentary. I've seen clips of it and, obviously, the podcast. And you both, like, openly discussed your journeys – with getting your endometriosis diagnoses. Mm -hmm. And so I just have like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, because you have like listed some of the symptoms. Some people may be like, I don't have any of those. Some people may be like, I have all of those. Like I'm over here going, I have all of those. Like I always (laughs) have like uh, everything, the diarrhea, the pain with sex, like everything. Like, I mean, whatever. But I mean, okay. So what would you say to girls whose family has a history with like reproductive issues, whether it be endometriosis, I think it's like endometriosis, endometriosis. It's like a, it's uh-huh. the, yeah, my mom totally had that. But anyway, or any sort of like reproductive issues, but they don't maybe have like the financial means or maybe they like think they're overreacting to symptoms, which I hear you talk about a lot, like women just taking it on as like you mentioned, feeling normal. Like maybe that's normal. I don't yeah. know. And like how, 
like maybe the beginning of the conversation and beginning the investigation on whether their body is, you know, kind of needing more care or going through something more serious than just what like the ma- the mainstream world wants us to believe is a normal reproductive process. Yeah, and you actually mentioned something very important that endometriosis a lot of women it causes infertility and I always forget that one because I just never actually wanted to give birth so yeah. it's like I just forget about that one. Yeah. But um <laughs> but I do have a baby, he's adopted. But yes. uh so So, yeah, I mean, it's the trickiest thing about endometriosis is that there's a couple tricky things. But one of the biggest tricky things is that the only way that it can can be 100 percent diagnosed is through surgery. And so the first part is, is you have to find a doctor that believes your symptoms and can because a lot of these symptoms are not symptoms that you're going to be able to see. So you say that you have painful sex and diarrhea. That's not something that your doctor can see. That's just something that they're going to have to believe. Um, Now, you can get uh, uh, an ultrasound, and there's even doctors that do MRIs to see if they can see the endometriosis, to, to see if they need to do surgery. But that endo can also really hide itself too, and it might not always show up on things. So truly the only way to get diagnosed is through a laparoscopic surgery. Mm. I know that there are some insurances that cover things. There are some insurances that cover nothing. So you kind of have to just investigate for yourself, but it is, it's, I mean, it's so makes me so mad. And I, Shannon is actually doing another film about endometriosis and she's actually going to cover some of these issues about how a lot of insurance companies don't offer insurance for these things. So hopefully she'll make some headway with that. But I think the first step is, you know, is identifying, like you said, the symptoms, but with endo, there's a lot of women that don't have all of the symptoms, Yeah. but generally I don't want to speak for everyone, but generally having a, a, a killer period is is one of the symptoms that most people have. And then, you know, they just can really range depending on the person. Yeah. But yeah, I it's it's finding a doctor because, you know, I the Shannon in, in her film and on the podcast, she said that it takes an average of eight to 10 doctors before a woman is diagnosed, Yeah, which is just, that's a really long time. And so (sighs) what you do is, is you just start to believe that either A, you're a wimp, Mm -hmm. B, you're crazy, or C, that it's just how your life has to be. And, you know, I was, I experienced pain the first time I had my period and I would always go home from school the first couple days of my period. And I'd always have to miss things and I would plan my life around my period. And I thought that's just like, what was the norm? That's so real for me. <clears throat> like that is so true. My mom, I had a phone at, when I was in fifth grade. I started my period in fourth grade. I had a flip phone in fifth grade just so that I could text my mom and be like, mom, I started my period. And she would come pick me up and I would be home for like three days. But yeah, I mean, 
there was some figure that she was that Shannon I think mentioned about like the amount of time that a woman that struggles with endometriosis like it's like in the like in days or maybe it's weeks that they miss over their lifetime of like I don't know I don't remember the figure but it was basically just this large sum of things that they miss out on and like work that they miss out on whenever they're struggling with these symptoms that are just being ignored it's just it's shocking. It's so, it is it dark. Is. I can't wait to see the new thing she's working on. Wow. Yeah. And so there, so there's a lot of different ways that you can treat endo. And I, again, like, I just want to make it clear about it's, there's not a cure. So all these things might work for some people might not, but you can have surgery and from the research that I have been doing and just talking to Shannon, excision surgery is the best type of surgery for endo, which most doctors don't do. So yeah. I had two ablation surgeries, which now I found out might have not been the best for me. And basically, if you kind of picture a wart on your hand, it's the ablation is just kind of like chopping off the wart. Okay. But the excision surgery is getting underneath that wart and taking it out Mm -hmm. altogether. It's like taking it out at its root. So Shannon says there's, I don't know. I think she said there's like 150 doctors like in the whole world that are actually can perform this surgery. So that's, you know, but I mean, that's also for more extreme cases. Like I have stage four, like I, I'm actually looking into, I need to see like how my endo's doing since I don't have symptoms anymore mm-hmm. because, you know, it's still a concern of mine. It's just because I don't have symptoms, that doesn't mean that I still don't have a pretty terrible disease. Yeah. So it's good to kind of check in and with your doctor, even though you're feeling good. And then just holistic, <clears throat> excuse me, holistic wellness practices, which I before when I was doing my surgeries, one doctor did suggest that I get acupuncture and things like that. And I just completely was super annoyed that he would even suggest that because when you're having the worst period of your life, like the last thing that you feel like you're able to do is like find an acupuncturist and like actually go there mm-hmm. and like lay on a table. You're like, I can't even get out of bed. How yeah. am I supposed to do this? I do it. But I know that holistic practice, holistic wellness practices, I mean, I now have started doing kundalini yoga, which I feel like helps. I mean, my diet is just, I mean, I don't eat dairy anymore and I don't eat meat anymore. I'll dabble every now and then with gluten. And sometimes I've eaten sugar and man, it's like my old life comes flashing by like in my body. Like it's just like, I can feel it sort of creeping in. And so I do my best to not eat that gluten and sugar. And I especially don't do it the week of my period or a couple days before. And the reason why is because gluten and sugar and dairy and a lot of processed foods, they're inflammatories. And your your body, especially, I mean, when you have endo, it's already so inflamed already because of what's happening inside of there. So you're just making it worse. Yeah, that's so so true. Mm -hmm. So I think like a lot of times when I talk about a plant-based diet, it means whole foods. But to me, that also means taking out foods that are potential inflammatories for my body. Yeah. So you mentioned the concept of like adding Mm -hmm. in 
versus taking out. So you said you take out some things. So what are your favorite things that you've been able to include into your into your diet that have, I don't know, like really beneficial, like hormone balancing benefits, beneficial benefits? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think just like on a whole, it was just swapping things out. Like, okay, so I used to, there's this thing in my cookbook called Johnny Marzetti, which is like one of the most like sort of Midwestern unsophisticated dishes in the world, which is basically like pasta with tomato sauce and cheese and peppers and all these things. And it's baked in a casserole dish. Well, I decided for my cookbook, I really wanted to put Johnny Marzetti in there. And so I used cashews blended with veggie broth to make the cream sauce instead of using the cheese or the cream that's usually in it. Mm. And I use brown rice noodles instead of regular pasta. And so, I mean, I think that for me, the things that have been most exciting to include or the things that have benefited me the most are things that I still like or I think about from my past life that feel current to me now. So I don't I haven't really felt with the exception of a couple of things that I haven't been able to recreate them in some way. So, you know, but I also think that I'm still to this day, I feel like one trillion times better. But sometimes when I eat brown rice, I don't feel that good. Or Mm. I know that corn kind of makes me feel like shit because it's, it's an inflammatory for a lot of people. So I think that it's constantly, I hate it. I don't hate it. I I kind of do hate it when people say, listen to your body. Cause like it doesn't totally make sense if you don't know how to listen to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But once you start, you can kind of to tell how things make you feel, but I don't think that you're even able to tell how things make you feel until you really sort of take most of it out. So like if you eat a big, cold cut sandwich let's say like you get a big like subway sandwich or something and it's got meat and cheese and dairy and all these things and you feel like shit after it's like okay well was it the bread was it the cheese or was it the processed meat like Mm -hmm. I don't know it could be any of those things or it could be all of those things and every single body is different so you really have to test and see what works for you Mm mm-hmm I think that definitely like applies to even whenever you start shifting things like and if you want to try to figure out what it is that's helping I'm like the worst about like if I'm trying to like feel better especially with inflammation I'll do like a bunch of things all at once and then I'll never know what it was that made me feel better if I feel better you know and then I'll try like the different things individually and I'll finally figure it out but that's totally like all or nothing kind of but I'm that kind of person okay so when it comes to your book um, is your book like based on any type of like endometriosis? Like, like, is there like a talk of your endometriosis at the beginning and like your intro or your recipes yeah. geared towards it? Or is it just for anybody that's trying to like incorporate plant-based into your life? Like you were saying, like just like at least one meal. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to make a endometriosis book for women, but I also just really want this information. I think it can be applied to so many types of things that people are feeling that things equaling bad feelings things like you know with sleep or low energy or joint pain are just 
I don't know, just wanting to feel better. Like if you're just feeling kind of blah. So I definitely talk about endometriosis in the front part of the book. And I talk about, you know, why I changed my diet. I have a resource section in there about endometriosis. And I actually define what it is, what the symptoms are, what you can do about it. But I would say 95% of the book is not about endo, but there was no way that I was going to get a book deal and not get to talk about it for at least like five pages. <laughs> so true. Yeah. It's like your curve. Like it's your thing. Um, okay. So I've followed your journey with your new book. What do you think has been the hardest thing thus far? Cause I've, I mean, I've heard you talk a lot about it and I love it, but what's what, and what keeps you motivated? Well, I turned in the manuscript. Yeah. So that's done. But Woo-hoo! I think, yeah. I well, yeah. So it's just one. I turn in the manuscript and now, well, it, I turn it in for the second time with oh, edits. And then oh. now a copy editor has it. Oh my gosh. And then she's going to go, It it's like a, like, it's a very long process. And I don't think people understand, but <clears throat> I would say the hardest part about it was definitely without a doubt, the recipe testing. Yeah. Because I just, um, the writing part wasn't that difficult for me just because I just felt like the writing part is just about time and finding the right mind space to do it. Mm -hmm. The recipe testing was just something where I feel like I wasted a lot of money in the beginning. Yeah. I didn't plan accordingly. I thought I could just go to the grocery store and get inspired, which leaves you with a lot of rotten produce in your (laughs) fridge. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know why. I think I just have seen too many movies where like chefs like walk into the farmer's market. Julie and like, and okay, Julia. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that doesn't work for me. I actually have to plan ahead. So okay. I waste a lot of money doing that in the beginning. Then I got smart and started planning ahead for the grocery stores and thinking of the recipes. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm still new at cooking. And it's funny because I just actually had, there's this really cool group of women called the bad bitches. And I think Ooh, you would probably dig them. It's a group yeah. of culinary women okay, that are actually going to have a TV show. And they're just this cool group of women and they're chefs. And I was actually, I went out to, to have drinks with the head of it. And I was a little bit intimidated to meet her. And I'm not not intimidated because she's this cool girl, but intimidated by the fact that she's a chef and I don't have (laughs) chef training, you know, I'm I'm definitely a home cook. I'm, I'm self-taught. And I think that during the book process, I think that was probably the thing that was the most was the recipes. Cause I'm like, is this okay that I'm just learning how to use this for the first time? Mm -hmm. Or is this okay that I had to just Google how to use this properly? So, but then after I had all my recipe testers taste the recipes and they said that they were great, it's like, oh, okay. So these taste great. Who cares Mm -hmm. if I just, you know, learned how to do that? 
I have one question about recipe testing. It can be a quick one. And then I want to dive into the quick fire questions. But okay, so the recipe testing, this might just be me, like as a listener to everything that you've been talking about. And I haven't Googled it or anything. I probably could have. But um, you mentioned that you did hire the recipe testers and you said it was a great decision. And that like, okay, so what I'm wondering, because you said they both give you an opinion because you had two. So do they like take your book and do they make it? Or do they, you make it for them? Like, do they? No, like, no, no. And okay. let, let's back up and say that um, if any of the recipe testers are listening, I did not hire them. They did oh, it you for didn't? free. Okay, sorry. You said you, you <laughs> they're, got they're them. They're going to be okay. like, yeah, they're, they're going to be no. like, uh, girlfriend, you did not. When am these, I but, getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I had, I asked people on Instagram and the, listen okay, to yeah. the, and my podcast to sign up to recipe testers. And then each person got two recipes. Some of them at the end only got one recipe. So they got the recipe and they had to, and I gave them five specific questions to answer after they made it. So I didn't want, you know, super subjective opinions coming in that said, you know, well, this was great, but I hate ginger. Like I asked very specific questions like, did this yield the amount that it said that it would? Would you have done any of the steps differently? Just very like, and then obviously I did ask them at the end about the taste. Okay. And so, yeah, so it's, I mean, I learned so much from those recipe testers just saying like, well, you know, this was a little bit confusing. Mm -hmm. So could you, and that's someone's full-time job. Like I'm not the only one that are using recipe testers. Like I have friends that their career is being a recipe tester. And I think- next book. I don't know. I thought about, should I get a recipe test? Like just hire one. But I really liked having the people that I know that are going to actually be buying the book or people like them Mm -hmm. are the ones that are testing the recipes. Yeah. Wow. That's like, I love that. See, I never knew that part of the process that you do have to like, and I think, were you talking about it? Maybe you were talking about Julia Tertian. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you were talking about it in something, but you were talking about the process. And I was just like, when you guys got to that part, I was like, Oh, weird. Okay. I never even thought about that part. Um, cause I guess I, I make recipes and I don't check or I don't ever make them for more than just me. So when it says yields like yay amount, I'm just, I never know, but that's right, exactly. so cool. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I learned, like I said, I learned a lot because if, if something makes sense to you, it might not make sense to someone else that maybe has never chopped an onion in their entire life. Word. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so true. Okay, so I want to dive into my quickfire questions. Okay. okay, so I've got a deep category and I've got a funny category. And okay. uh, I'm thinking about overhauling these questions because this is like my sixth week of having a podcast. And so I have only done this six times. And these are kind of lame now that I'm getting to it, but we're going to just lame. dive in. Lame? I thought they're not lame. Okay, well, let's do it. Um, My okay. fun questions are kind of lame. But okay, so my consistent deep questions are name three things you've accomplished this week. Whoa. Yeah. Ground yourself. Come on. Um, I accomplished, I interviewed this woman named Kelly Brogan, who I think that you would really dig. She wrote this book called A Mind of Your Own. It's probably the most controversial podcast I'll ever have on. She believes that depression is actually not a mental chemical imbalance she believes that it has to do with inflammation and autoimmune so she does not believe in medicine at all and she like is a huge advocate slash just 
like activists against it. Oh my God. That was one person. That was a fascinating conversation Two, set up LinkedIn. LinkedIn girl, <laughs> you're on LinkedIn. <laughs> Everyone check out my LinkedIn page. I spent a lot of time on it. Um, three, um, I got to do this podcast. Yay. It's I'm so great glad. talking to you. I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't like doing a lot of research on people beforehand because I just don't want to feel like, I don't know, like, like I don't want to like lead too much the conversation, okay. meaning, meaning that not me lead, but meaning like me asking you a question that I already know the answer to. Yeah. So, totally. uh, so, but now I'm excited to like really dive into. Hopefully you get a chance to like, yeah. No, I'm going to like, I, I, I always listen to people's podcasts after I'm on it because I don't know. I'm just weird like that. I don't like to over prepare because then I'm I, I'm weird. Yeah, I'm glad that you emailed me that <laughs> you said something like that in our email. And so this morning at like ten forty, I was like, I'm just gonna go make sure I'm kind of caught up on what she's doing, and I'm gonna <laughs> dive in, you know, because I because I have prepared because some people like that, you know. And then with Katie Dalebow, my last one that I posted, she was like, Nope, we're just gonna talk. And I was like, All yeah, right, she's so great. She's, she's so the, cool. So I'm like amazing so the best okay so um okay so you've accomplished that oh also didn't you have an interview with Mikkel Hill of Nutrition Strip she posted about it on Snapchat yes yes and that's gonna air in about two weeks okay um because I'm going to her book launch tonight in Nashville oh, yeah we know that's each so other cool. yeah it's so I mean like we're not like super tight at all but I mean I do know her and so I'm gonna go to her thing I'm so excited awesome. I love I love I'm, I'm in the society as well her nutrition strip society oh cool so she's just she's super cool I'm so excited for that because it's just the best of both worlds you guys are just yeah. look at that okay so <laughs> what would you like to see more of in the world and I think this question is really awesome because especially I mean this just kind of goes with this question I just wanted to say thank you for um bringing attention to all of the um traumatic events that have been happening in the world I've I did the same thing and I I definitely like felt the divide in the social media community and the people that I follow and it was kind of a weird like bitter taste for some Mm -hmm. people but it's not about me it's not about my opinions it's just about like spreading the word and I just wanted to thank you for being able to talk about Black Lives Matter and being able to speak out I think that did you mention something about maybe Turkey or the bombings that were happening in Paris or or France I I mean mean, yeah I always I I'm in it so I know everything Mm -hmm. because I just am I don't know I just oh like when the earthquake happened Uh, last week or this week actually I just it was like like three days ago shut it shut it down like I'm like I can't I don't feel right posting about a salad right now when there's people suffering but yeah yeah. look so the question now I feel sad but the question was what do I want to see more of in the world yeah Mm -hmm. I mean I mean I think what you said I mean I think to go back to what we talked about before about people just being straight up mean. And I think that, I think that that website that is no longer going to exist, I think they sort of created a a community of people that felt like it was okay to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like the whole comment culture. So I would, I would just like to see people having a little bit more compassion and, and that doesn't necessarily, I mean, we are in a bubble of people that are actually on social media. Like if you're not on social media, it's being holding a door open for someone or donating $20 to someone that needs it on a 
campaign online, like giving tree. I just, I don't know. I think a little bit more compassion would be great. That's such a good one. Okay. So what's something your inner critic always tells you and what can you say back? Whoa. You think these are lame? These are deep. These are the deep yeah. ones. <laughs> oh, well, these are great questions. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> my inner critic. I mean, I think my inner critic just always looks at the things that are big on my body. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that I think I think that that's just I think that when you have gone through a lot of body image stuff, sometimes you look in the mirror and you're like, okay, I look pretty good today. And then you look at something else and you're like, no, I don't. <laughs> Two seconds you know later. I mean? like, it's like, so I think that what I can do about that is, <laughs> and not to reference Giselle again, but like just, you know, empower myself with the stuff that is really awesome and then move on, like just leave the door, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes it's better for me if I don't look in the mirror. Like I kind mm -hmm. of sometimes, you know, I might look kind of crazy and I didn't rub in my blush all the way, but someone will tell me. And it just, sometimes <laughs> I just need to like get out there. That's so good about the blush. Just because I've been, <laughs> I've been experimenting with cream blush lately and it's just a good fucking catastrophe. But okay. I know my sister, <laughs> I was with my sisters a couple weeks ago in Ohio and um, we all walked out together and my one sister said to the other, she was like, please help Jessica with her blush. <laughs> You're like, I forgot to Tribal write. paint on your face, girl. <laughs> Fix that. <laughs> it's so real. Okay, so here's the funny questions. Okay, so um, what would your superhero name be? Oh. What would your power be? Okay. My power would be to – my. I feel like I'm such a sensitive, sappy person – I feel like my power would be able to fill everyone's refrigerators with food. Oh my gosh. What a magical foodie power you <laughs> so good. And not for people that have food. I'm talking about especially the people that don't have food. Okay. Like they open up their cupboards and they're like, Oh my god, I have just food. Pouring out just all this amazing food. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what my name would be, but I'll just I'll get back to that. But that okay. will be my power. All right. I'll ask you about that next time I talk to you. Okay. Um what's one okay, so you're you love food. So but what's one food that you like hate? Like you won't touch. Mm -hmm. It's gag gross. Tootsie okay. roll pops. Oh shit, really? I love the oh orange one. <laughs> my mm. it's like oh god, the orange, like yes. that the idea of that is so revolting that I mean, my friend, I don't eat that like, anymore, but I love but that one. No, just the idea of it. Like my friend, I mean, this has been an ongoing thing for like probably 20 years of my life. Sometimes my, my friend will just like text me a photo of an orange. Is it girl. really the orange one? That's my it's, favorite. It's like, I'm actually like getting like gagging right now a little bit. Like it's, <gasps> so disgusting to me oh my gosh it's so good okay so okay well then what's your favorite dessert oh you can be specific well, I'll, just, I'll just say the first thing that came to my mind the first thing that came to my mind would be some type of chocolate brownie with some type of ice cream with a caramel sauce okay or hot fudge. The one at the most plant-based version, the one that they have at Gracias Madre in LA is 
the ridiculous. That's like okay. the plant-based version of it. When it wasn't plant-based, like some some like trashy like Fridays one. Hell know? yeah, I know what you're talking. Skillet <laughs> brownie. Yeah, I got that skillet brownie for dessert. Everyone, one bite. Okay. Um, what's your weirdest obsession? And it can be a habit because a lot of people have a hard time with this. And it can, it's not like a kinky question, but I mean, I don't know. But okay, weirdest obsession. It can be a habit. Weirdest obsession. I could give you a positive and negative one, but my weirdest obsession is probably with numbers. Like, I won't get in a cab that has three sixes in it. Well, no one will, except if you're Lucifer. <laughs> no, but there's some people that, like, I've been with friends, and I'm like, nope, not that cab. And Ew. Like, why? Bye. And I'm like, because, and they're like, even if it's separated by another number, I just, like, okay. I'm very weird, obsessive about numbers and superstitious things like i'm I just like that just, too yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think i've got weird things okay so is that your negative one what's your positive one uh positive weird obsession i would just say the entire bachelor uh bachelor bachelorette bachelor bachelor in paradise like i watch all of those it's the thing that I do like I don't make plans on Monday like I'm like oh sorry I, I'm booked I don't tell them why <laughs> but I like religious boundaries guys <laughs> I religiously watch that show every Monday oh my gosh well that's beautiful that's a beautiful <laughs> thing I don't I actually haven't gotten into any of those but um I don't have and any I good reality I don't shows like like I cannot stand like Dancing with the Stars or, like, any of that stuff. Ew. But the one thing that I watch is Bachelor in Paradise. Like, I look forward to it all day. Okay. Well, uh, maybe <laughs> we'll look forward. Uh, maybe I'll put that in the show notes so we can all watch it uh, to start joining you. Is it on Netflix? Do you know? No, it's definitely not on Netflix. Bah. Um, It's kind of a – if you don't have cable, they have it on Hulu, I'm sure. Um, but it's definitely something I bet you're going to be surprised everyone out there. If you watch batch or batch in paradise or bachelorette, send us a little message. Just, you can even just put like B hashtag B or something, because I know you have a lot of listeners that secretly watch that stuff. Yeah. I want to know guys, you got to let us know (laughs) because, um, I want to get into it. I have some friends that do. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for coming on the Wilder podcast. I cannot wait for this episode to go out and everybody to hear all this stuff. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day. 